The Celtic Exchange, a fresh insight on Celtic Football Club. We're now counting the days to the start of the new Scottish Premiership season, so after three friendlies and five new signings, what shape are Celtic in as we prepare to get the ball rolling on the new campaign? This is the Celtic Exchange Weekly, this is Tino, and this week I'm joined by James and Joe as we cover all things Celtic. James, all of a sudden, the season kicks off this weekend. Are Celtic ready for that? Probably, not definitely. Um, I think we'd all like to see a wee bit more work to being done before now. Um, we can get that work done before Europe starts, but you know, it's early the better. But it's a, it's a feature of every season, the transfer window, transfer window. You never do all your business before the season kicks off. It's getting it done before... Europe, which I think we will, but there's work to be done yet. Yeah, and I think we've spoken in recent weeks about when we should be panicking and different things, and we'll get to that in a bit of detail, but you talk about being ready for Europe, and being ready for Europe, which I think will start on the 19th slash 20th of September, and being ready for Ross County on the 5th of August, they're very different questions, and we'll get into all of that. Joe, welcome back to the show, it's been a while since you've been on, so welcome back. What's your general summary of Celtic's pre-season in terms of the, the games we've played and the players we've brought in? Thanks for having me back. Um... Pre-season's not a lot to go by. I mean, one of the games you're getting beat 6-4, and I'll give you a 1-1-0. One one I mean, there's a lot of times you're changing an 11 at half-time. Like, I don't think it's always a lot to go by. I'm positive, given that the manager's come in and he's got a track record, and I trust that, albeit, yeah, maybe we've not finished everything when he finished in the transfer market, I'm still confident that we're in a good place. And, you know, we've still got guys injured as well, so... Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty positive. Um, pre-season's been good so far. I can't really build the pre-season most of the time anyway. It's just a bit, it seems to be a bit of a lull sometimes, but, you know, back on Saturday and I'm looking forward to it. Where are you at in terms of, people talk about this marquee signing, and it all comes down to what your definition of a marquee signing is. Gone are the days of Celtic signing big hitters from the Premier League. You know, you, we don't go into the market for a, you know, when we were signing Suttons from Chelsea and all that kind of stuff. But other people, you know, argue that marquee signing is just someone knowing someone of note and that kind of thing. Do you feel that we'll get that kind of player in before the end of the window? I think a lot of it, it depends on who leaves. Because um, I mean, right now, I don't really know. I mean, I think we need, without going into much detail, I think we need to get a goalie. I think Joe Hart seems to be a bit shaky and I, I don't really trust him, especially going into Europe and, you know, maybe going to Ibrox, I'm not entirely convinced. But in other areas, I think we're, pretty sorted and I wouldn't left want to spend I mean but I wouldn't want to spend six or seven million on a left back if that's what a marquee signing is you know and there's times in all honesty and if years gone by the times when I've known the players before they've joined Celtic they've not really lived up to the highlight like that James McCarthy for instance or Shane Duffy like there's no point in breaking the bank to sign somebody Thomas just Garson. to try and, aye. I just, just spend your money on better players and stuff bad ones yeah. that's I, the thing what is a marquee is a marquee signing somebody that we all know is that what if is enough for no, a marquee signing? No, I, I think so. If you look, I suppose the creation number one's a, a marquee signing, and, he, and he's known kind of thing. Doesn't look like that's going to happen anyway. If, if he's not already signed for Fenerbahce, but um, you know, it can be guys that aren't necessarily you know household names to us. You know, but if, if we don't make those signings, then nothing's changed. We're just a club that wants to win the league and maybe do okay in Europe. But we've seen in the last two years that guys we don't know can be exceptional. Jaw as it was at Celtic and as exceptional Kyogo. Real Hattai. There's talented players out there and I think this is the time to put the trust in what or, or let's see if we should be putting our trust in what Mark Lowell and the team are doing behind the scenes in terms of scouting and recruitment and I suppose with four to five weeks left of that window there's still work to be done and we're going to get into all of that in detail Joe you mentioned the goalie left back's definitely an issue as well 
and we'll cover all of that, but there's definitely work to be done over these next four or five weeks. Okay, let's take a look at what's coming up on this week's show. The boys were in Dublin at the weekend to take on Premier League opposition in the shape of Wolves. So what did we learn from that one as Brendan Rodgers' side played out their penultimate pre-season friendly? Beyond that, we'll then look at just how well Celtic are prepared or not for the new season, which now kicks off in just a matter of days. Then it's time for this week's Path to Paradise as the lads try to identify the career path of a well-known ex-Celt. And finally, with his testimonial match against Atletico Bilbao taking place on Tuesday, we take a look at what James Forrest has given to Celtic these last 14 seasons or so and what might be next for the one-club man. Let's get started by looking at that game against Wolves over in Dublin at the weekend. So, a pretty entertaining game all round. Good opening goal by Kyogo, giving us a lead, and then a late equaliser for Wolves following a questionable penalty decision. James, before we get into some of the finer points, what was your general take on the game? A good exercise, yeah. Um, particularly, you know, as Joe's referen- referencing earlier on, the you know, living subs at half time, that didn't happen. So you're getting a, a proper run out for about 60, 65 minutes for most of the guys. Um, good exercise. I, I would say Wolves are maybe a week or two behind us. Um, in terms of their pre-season schedule, they didn't seem that mm, they weren't as urgent on the ball as us. But they've obviously got a, you know an expensive squad there and a good manager. So good test. Good to see when the subs were made. I was really pleased to see um, Yang and Kwon both come on and did really well. Um, I was disappointed to see Haxabanovic come on and do absolutely nothing again. Um, got to try and get inside his head because what a, what a player he'll be if you can lock his talent. Joe, we've spoken about him a lot, um, but obviously you've not been on for a while. What's your thoughts on Haxabanovic? I mean, well, I've interviewed Haxabanovic. Um, no, I was no at need ease. to show off. There's <laughs> the name. I was, I think it was post-match, the Hearts game. Now he scored the Hearts. I think it was Hearts at Parkhead. Run a bit. Are you kind of daisy cutter? Aye. Oh, aye. Um, it was really, it was like cold, I think it was January, February time. Um, and I interviewed him and... <laughs> It doesn't. He's no shine back in himself. I think I've said that show before. He's he seems very confident now. I think the hairstyle suggests that he, he's. It was like he, I think he's gone for a sort of Phil Foden the Euros sort of look that he wants. MD that can't see him in the stands. Well, definitely not he is now. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, I think unfortunately, talks a good game. I've not yet to see him at fo- in full flow. I think there's still more to come. But maybe there is. A, maybe it is a case of a new manager that can help that. I think he definitely threatens to be a good player. We've seen the flashes, we've seen individual brilliance, we've seen a couple of really decent goals from him. And I, yeah, I, I know the thing you're talking about, Joe. He certainly speaks about a guy, you know, speaks as a guy who's fully backs his own talent. But he's need, he needs to prove it now. Now is the time, and it's a challenge for Brendan Rodgers, and probably one that a guy like Rodgers thrives on. I also think sorry, you know, just when I'm thinking about it now. I actually think he said that I was born to be a winner or something like that. It was very yeah, like up there, aye. aye it was something that, ve- that stuck out very well yeah. like that. Aye. I'm going to dig out. I'm sure we've got the audio file of that from your interview, so I'll dig that out and I'll try and share that on the socials. But yeah, as I say, the challenge is for Brendan Rodgers to get the best out of him, and I think that's something that Rodgers thrives on. So he'll have various guys in the camp just now. He'll be looking around and he'll say, "Can I get more out of Dave Turnbull? Can I get more out of Haxabanovich? Can I get more out of this guy?" And it'll be really interesting to see how that goes. Interesting that Turnbull didn't get any game time there uh, off the bench and I don't know if that means the writing's on the wall if Brendan Rodgers rated him or fancied him surely he'd give him some minutes in a friendly over in Dublin but we'll wait and see Joe in terms of that type of fixture so you know, Premier League opposition seven days out from the season James is right you know obviously they're a wee bit further back but it's decent opposition at that stage of the, the preparations I mean they've still spent a fortune in players but I know 
there's been a bit of talk about I don't think they've spent as much as I think they're actually cutting costs. They've sold their captain Saudi Arabia and it's a good exercise and I think you're better doing that than I mean I think a few years ago they played Shamrock Rovers away and they won something like 9-0 mm-hmm. I don't know if that was around about the same time of year or so I, I think they're probably more advanced in pre-season because of the Champions League and things so I think it's a good test um, good location to have it as well it's a it's probably as close to a home game as you could get that's not Parkhead so yeah good exercise I thought from the bits that I've seen it seemed that the game was played at a good pace and you know result doesn't really matter at the end of the day so it shouldn't be unless you're getting horsed like, mm. <laughs> it's not in the world aye well you know, look at the West Ham one a few years ago and you get horsed and you found out that Barkas was just not the guy so you can tell from doings as well they can, be, they can be useful if that's all you got from that exercise then, then it was worthwhile but aye. I actually think Celtic's games have been quite well planned so I think it's been you can forget the two kid-on pre-season games they played in Portugal they were bounce games behind closed doors but between the Yokohama game Gamba Osaka, the game against Wolves on Saturday, and Atletico Bobao to come on Tuesday. All decent tests, and I think all of them in different ways will tell Brendan Rodgers a bit more about his team. Um, something which did cause concern for some folk on Saturday was the the back four, which read Iwata, Scales, Welsh and Taylor. Uh, and as I say, just seven days before the start of the season. Now, there's definitely circumstances that explain that. We know that Carter Vickers and Ralston, they've stepped up their rehab in recent weeks and shouldn't be far away, but obviously Saturday was too soon. Alistair Johnston and Yuki Kobayashi are a few weeks further down the line. And then new signing Mike Navrocki and Carl Starfelt. Apparently, both of them carrying some sort of ankle knock and just a precaution um, for that one. Joe, what's your thoughts on that as a back four? Could we head into the season with that? Um, I mean, I must say, actually, from what I'd seen Aleem Scales, and I've seen snippets of some of the games, from what I've seen Aleem Scales, it actually looked all right. I'm not saying he's going to be a start in centre half, but... Actually, I'm going to go say as far as I would prefer him playing over Kobayashi from what I've seen. I've not seen much of Kobayashi, but I'm not, I've not, from what I've seen, I've not been overly impressed. Stephen Welsh is a funny one because, again, there's better options out there. And I don't think he's done a lot wrong. He's just, maybe, it just doesn't, yeah, I don't trust him fully to be a starting centre half. And Awat is not a natural right back. So I think it's a bit of a headline grabber because, as you say, Tino, there's all those guys that are sort of coming back are close to full fitness and I don't think really we need to sign any other defenders let's just say right back centre half um, left back you know you mentioned but I think yeah I don't think it's a lot to go on that friendly but I think by the time the guys are full, back fully fit I think we'll be sorted we'll be fine yeah. mm. Joe you've mentioned a couple of times trust you say you don't trust Stephen Welsh you don't trust Joe Hart who hurt you? <laughs> <laughs> What's up? I know. I've listened to Joe Hart after the couple of games in pre-season. I'm just picturing if we've to put him at Parkhead in a Champions League game or a game against Rangers. I'm not. That's the that's trust in me. I just, I'm trying to imagine seeing him in performing and I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Definitely a few eyebrows raised. Just in terms of um, Liam Skills, James, the most I've seen Liam Skills is Aberdeen v Rangers games. Hashtag obsessed. Can I get enough of them? <laughs> uh, and I've seen... I thought he showed up pretty well, but I wonder if that's just because that's his level. I thought he was decent on Saturday, you know, fair play to him, and I'm sure he'll have enjoyed going back to Ireland and playing against a, or in front of a home crowd. Um, but I just wonder uh, if he's going to be the kind of guy moving forward. Brendan Rodgers has accepted or has conceded that he's been speaking to Barry Robson and he's just weighing up what to do with it. Do you have any thoughts on skills and does he have a future? future? Nah, n- none of that back four um, will be mainstays throughout the season. Back five, you include Hart. Taylor? Yeah, 
not going to happen is in a Rogers style inv- I mean he, he did so well adapting to you know inversion and stuff like that but as a bombing Tierney type it, he's not got the engine for it you saw him chasing back and stuff and getting caught out quite a few times um, so I think he's going to be signing a left back and I would say I would spend like six or seven million and then tailor there to, to challenge him for it you know and Shows if he can improve and take take the season to improve. Um, Scales himself, yeah, Aberdeen all day. It's, it's a great move for everyone. Um, Scales and Wells both played well on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Didn't come under that much pressure. Um, but what they did have to deal with, they dealt with well, and they both passed out of defence well. You find Scales a bit erratic at times. He, he gets if he loses the ball, he panics instead of just resetting and getting back in position. He hairs down after the guy and gets caught out of position and stuff like that. So there's just a wee bit of immaturity there. I think he's he's levels at Aberdeen. I'd agree with that. I'm quite sure that's uh, the opinion of most. But we'll see. We'll see what Brendan Rodgers decides. Um, you're right, though. You know, both of you highlight Joe Hart and Greg Taylor. They've both come in for a, a reasonable amount of criticism after the game there. And I think we've mentioned it on our show, but when you listen to various shows, commentators, articles, different things, most people highlight goalie and left back is where Celtic find themselves weak. And the general tone seems to be that both those players are good enough for what Celtic are doing domestically, but not for Europe. Would you agree with that? 100%. Yeah, you're not going to make any progress on last season's achievements in Europe, if you want to call them that, with those two still in the first-team squad. Yeah, You're on the same page, Joe? Yeah, I mean, Greg Taylor, again, I agree with James, adapted well. Um and that's an inverted role. I don't think he's a tierney type player. I can't see him. I mean, we've never really seen him hitting the byline in the same way like the other side, Alistair Johnson or and Anthony Nelson yeah. in that case. Um, then you've also got Burnaby, who no, it's not gonna I mean, it, he's just. just I, I don't know. The wing gives peace. But this is the thing. I think Burnaby last year. I mean, it was well documented stuff off the part with Burnaby, and you know, a lot was going on there. But I, I don't know. A lot can happen. Um, you can't start learning to be a defender at 22 or 23 years old. It's too late. I know, but also, he's that good going forward. And I think that, in that sense, he's, got, he's still a bit of an asset. I just don't know. Again, there's a trust thing for me. I don't know if I can fill him in. <laughs> I think he's a he's a conundrum for Brendan Rodgers and others behind the scenes at Celtic. They'll say, we've splashed out about three and a half million for this kid and we, we don't know what to do with him. Yep. Um, so it's going to be a, a real interesting one again like Turnbull no minutes for him in Dublin and I think now Brendan Rodgers is saying that going into Tuesday's game he'll go with two different 11s first half and second half and we'll need to see if he's, he's getting game time there I mean young Ben McPherson for example I think he featured in potentially all three of the games so far at different times at right back so Rodgers seems to be trusting him to slot him in but less so on the other side There's maybe a slight issue there that if Ralston and Johnson don't come back on schedule then he might need to rely on McPherson so he wants to see what he's got there You know, if, he, if he's having to play a water elsewhere you know but did they give Taylor the 90 minutes on Saturday? I think so aye yeah. that, the, by the same argument that doesn't make sense because Taylor might not be available he may take a knock and then all of a sudden you have to rely on Burnaby yeah but you have got a knock at the right back you, you, you've already got that on the board you can't you wouldn't really go for you know, what might happen you know I think guys do plan ahead and I, I just wonder if they, I think it's a friendly as well I mean there might be a, there might be a case of Greg Taylor you might only give him a 90 minutes because you want to be properly match fit there's yeah, a case for yeah. that as well but um, I mean Burnaby not getting minutes at all and a friendly I, I know. know unless we're about to pull a left back out of Brendan Rodgers back pocket in the That's next week or so he was very light in terms of oh, well maybe add one or two more before the end of the window you're like maybe 
Get to work. They've got to play it down, haven't they, in case they don't get their top targets. But I'm sure there's work to be done, and we'll get to that shortly. But no, I just think overall, um, you know, quite a unique back four for Celtic to start with, but very rare to have six defenders out at any given time. Mm. And I know he's been cautious with Navrocki and with Starfield. So hopefully um, we're in a better position come Saturday and beyond. On a far more positive note, Celtic's front three of Abada, Kyogo and Maeda, I thought they all looked really sharp on the day, James, and it was Kyogo, Kyogo and Abada who linked up for the goal. How do you think they're all shaping up? Going forward, we're still a joy to watch. There's there's no issues there. Even, you know, we'd be happier with a wee bit more, you know, reinforcement here and there. You know, I know some folk are looking in the midfield. I think the midfield's fine. Um, I'd like to add a striker. That's about it. And if we didn't get it, I would be devastated because the wee man looks absolutely on it. He looks like he's been, you know, really prepping well for this. Sharp. One. <laughs> <laughs> there's three of them. Three of them, aye. Heck, Yogo. Um, just looked really, really sharp, as did Abada. Still needs to work on his crossing um, and Maida. I was disappointed Maida didn't get a wee bit more time through the centre, you know, when Kyogo did go off, um, just to see if, you know, if, if that's going to be quite a, a regular feature. But yeah, we're, we're sharp going forward, no bother. I think so. Joe, a lot of chat last week uh, on Leal Abada. You'll have seen the headlines about the fact that he seems to think that his future now lies at Celtic Park, at least for the short to medium term under Brendan Rodgers. Uh, we tweeted about it and wholly positive for the most part in terms of responses to that but one or two folks still not convinced by him do you think he can kick on under Brendan Rodgers? I mean I hope so um, I'm not I'm in the camp of I'm not 100% convinced don't get me wrong stats completely blow any sort of doubt out of the water um, I mean the amount of goals he's scored the amount of contributions he's had I mean even just the amount of appearances he's had in the last like two seasons and very reliable in terms of injuries. I think he's actually picked up an injury at Celtic, has he? Really? Nothing of note. Nothing anyway. of note. So I think he's certainly one that could kick on. Rogers has shown in the past to sort of take guys up to another level and especially at that age where he's still young, he's still developing. I've got every faith that he can sort of kick on a new level. So I'm, I'm glad he's staying... I think we could get a bit of money for him if he was leaving. I think it, it wasn't a case we were desperate to get him out the door. But, yeah, I'm, I'm fairly optimistic Rodgers can do a bit more of him. Yeah, I mean, 21 years of age, I think the stats read 15 goals in his first season, 13 goals in season two. And he was used sparingly by Ange in season two. So to still get 13 goals and still play a notable part says a lot about him. And I think if we can now find another level, find another gear out of him, could be very exciting for the season ahead. Um... Something a lot of us were very pleased to see on Saturday was the debut from Quan and Yang. So 60 minutes in, they've come on for Matt O'Reilly and Kyogo. They've both had an impact on the, the game, James, in their own way. But I thought Quan in particular just it looks like he really has something to offer in that defensive midfield role. Yeah, just physicality. It's, it's something we've been really missing. You know, probably going back to, you know, Bruni and, and before. Um, so somebody that can really take hold of a game. You know, big, strong. It was about six foot two, three, something like that. Yeah. Um, fast as well not sluggish with it and not shy just I uh, very very impressed with that and you know when we were looking at the the pre-signing chat he was the one so a few of them I've marked down as you know potentially for development he wasn't he, he looks a, a ready made player I think you know obviously it's just a snippet it's half an hour there in a friendly but from what I've seen I think he is ready to get into the first team he doesn't he looks like he lacks confidence basically you know he, he looks like he doesn't seem phased by coming to Celtic it's a huge move he was playing in the the second tier of South Korean football, he now finds himself at a club like Celtic, Joe. But it's an important role, isn't it? And I think we've seen in Europe that we've we've missed that, you know, deep line 
aggressive midfielder, that kind of ball carrier, the guy that's going to break things up. And Celtic have tried and failed, you know, to find somebody for that role. Abelgaard came in and out as quickly. Uh, James McCarthy's not worked out. Awata seemed to be signed for that position, but it's not worked out. Um, there's a couple of others. Down there. Oh, well, let's, <laughs> let's not go down there. I've, I've wiped him out my memory. See, um, my uncle thought he was a player. For, I think, I think he played a League Cup game against. I think it was, remember the one Kieran Tierney scored for like 40, 50 yards? Yeah. Um, I think Abouye played that game. I wasn't at it, but my uncle said, oh, this boy's, what a player, what a <laughs> player. And then <laughs> just never happened since. Yeah. You could add Adaguchi to the mix as well. I'm uh, forgetting he's still in the book. So the, 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 the point I'm making though is Celtic have clearly, you know, across different managers been desperate to fill that role. And I think there could be a real option for, for Quan to go and make that his position and actually to see his look a lot more solid, particularly in Europe. Yeah, I think... See, to be honest, I think the main thing about getting that position sorted is that we can push Cal McGregor further forward. And mm. I think I think that is more of a boost. Albeit, yeah, if Quan turns out to be great for us, then great. But I think having somebody reliable in that role for the sake of getting the best out of probably one help, probably our best player. Um, I think that is just as valuable as actually signing somebody to fill that gap in the first place. Um, mm. But yeah... We'll, see, we'll wait and see because um, again as you've listed four or five names off there and we can add you know Beaton was a great servant lasted a long time at Celtic not everyone's biggest fan but again I, I think I, you can only be optimistic because from what I've seen so far with Quan it looks good and yesterday from what I've seen it looked good You mentioned near Beaton which is interesting I was looking at we're going to cover James Forrest a bit later on in the piece and you know Lots of things about bring Beaton back to solve the left back problem. <laughs> um, we've got to look at James Forrest ahead of his testimonial and what he's achieved at Celtic. So, James Forrest, amongst others like Scott Brown, Cal McGregor, some of the most decorated players in Celtic's history. Near Beaton makes that list. He's got 18 major honours at Celtic. You've got Bobby Lennox at the top with 25, Billy McNeil at 23, and not far down the list, you've got Near Beaton, which is incredible because he was a decent enough player and stuff like that. But to find him on a list. With those kind of names is crazy, but yeah, going off topic there. But yeah, I think you know to your point, Joe. If we can slot Quan in there, and McGregor nudges further up, maybe we'll see that in operation on Tuesday. It'd be interesting because we've not really got many games left to test the water. There's there's not much room left for experimenting. But I do think my gut feeling is that Brendan Rodgers has seen Callum McGregor at his best in the more advanced role, and I think that's what he'll try to do here. I think so. Yeah, um, it starts to get really congested though when you look at. You know, you've got two that have picked themselves in McGregor and Quan if, you, if, you're, if we're going down that road. Mm -hmm. And then you've got home, you've got O'Reilly, you've got Hatati. You're not not playing Hatati. Mm -hmm. I really like O'Reilly. So, you know, you've got to try and find game time for those guys as well. You know, it'll just be maybe game appropriate. And that's what happens at big clubs. Yeah. You know, quality players find themselves in the bench and that's got to be a good thing for Celtic because competition increases everybody's performance. I've mentioned James Forrest a few times now, but bringing in uh, Paddy Roberts was what got some of the best performances out of James Forrest. It's just a natural thing. We don't have a natural competition for Joe Hart at this moment in time. Maybe he's getting a bit complacent. So, yeah, it's a problem, uh, as you rightfully highlight, James, but a good problem, all the yeah. same. Um, before we move on from the Wolves game, I just want to highlight what I definitely see as some notable differences in the system between Brendan Rodgers and what Ange has done over the last uh, couple of seasons. So, Firstly, we've definitely not seen anything by way of inverted fullbacks, and that'll have a big impact on what we see from guys like Alistair Johnson, Tony Ralston, definitely Greg Taylor, and I think it's going to probably impact Taylor not in a great way. I think he slotted in well. Real credit to him for how he performed in that role in the last two seasons. I'm not sure if the more natural 
Kieran Tierney type role gets the best out of him so we'll need to see secondly we've seen a number of goal kicks during the game against Wolves going long from Joe Hart uh, and certainly a bit of less play between him and his defenders at the back maybe not a bad thing when it comes to Joe Hart with the ball at his feet but what do you think of that James Brendan Rodgers will definitely be looking to do things his own way won't he yeah yeah definitely I saw one of the I suppose you would call it hipster football accounts talking about the return of the long ball you know coming back to football it's like well if you can score a goal, go and score a goal. <laughs> kind of, kind of dumbing it down to that that level. Um, but also, Rogers is far more pragmatic and cautious than uh, Postecoglou. So, Rogers will just look at the stats and say, "Yeah, every time you play out, you get this benefit by X percentage, but you get this risk by Y percentage. I don't like that Y. So, clear that first third as as quickly as you possibly can." Start attacking if a long ball is appropriate, it's appropriate. So, yeah, I think you'll start to see about that. Unless we bring in some dribbling goalie. Well, we might do, but I just thought it was really interesting, Joe, to see Joe Hart take those by kicks and go along. It, it, it was later in the game, I, I fully clocked it, and at that point, O's on up front, and maybe there's something to it. But basically, we're just well, we're going Wimbledon. And I, I don't know if you remember Wimbledon, Joe, if you're too young for <laughs> Wimbledon <laughs> FC, but bang it up to John Fash now, he'll flick it down and <laughs> Somebody else will do something. Funny that actually was. <laughs> <laughs> I was more, I, I mean, MK Don's are my, <laughs> yeah, that was more my era. Um, <laughs> but I think, I mean, I think a lot of it's still in football. Daft saying it. I honestly think Pep is still the trendsetter. And you look at, you look at Ederson to Man City. I mean, so many goals in the last four or five years, Ederson's just played it long. And mm-hmm. it's been like a direct, it has been a sort of, I'll say a through ball. It's never, it's not been a punt as such, but it's been a. He's found his man. He's found his man, yeah. and if Pep's trying to do it, it's no, it's definitely not by chance. And he's, he definitely not just said, "Oh, just knock it up to the big centre forward and see what happens." Like, and Allison's the same at Liverpool. So, I think there's an element. I think there is a bit of that in it as well. That it's not. I don't think that's as anything new that Rodgers has come up with, and I don't think it's something that. Rodgers won't shy away from what's happening in football just now. I think that's definitely something they'll look at. He's maybe you know, trying to train the keepers into having a bit more variety and instead of like snapping to the default, if there's an opportunity to go along and it's a, a chance. Well, I it. think also, I mean, Rodgers has been in Scotland before and could you imagine that? I mean, all the managers in our league are probably saying this is the way Rodgers has played before, he's just going to do the same again. Because I think that's where a lot of Celtic fans get a bit frustrated with Rodgers near the end of his time. And also frustrated at the thought of him coming back to play the same sort of football. I think, again, as you say, he's a bit more pragmatic than Ange was. But I think he'll maybe have that in mind that he wants to change it up a wee bit just to ace out the squad that he has, which is entirely different to what he had before. And be maybe outsmart other managers or other teams yeah. and sort of play a wee bit differently. I think that's a great point because a lot of us have had those conversations when it was first we were first sounded out about Rodgers coming back and f- many folk referenced his third season. Ah, I was a bit turgid and I know we're still winning, but it just it wasn't great to watch at that point. But one of the first things Rodgers himself said when he came through the door was that he is a very different guy from the coach that came in seven years ago at Celtic and left, whatever it was, five, four, five years ago. He's since spent time in the Premier League coming up against Pep, for example, Jurgen Klopp, I don't know, Pochettino, all these various high-calibre managers and you can't fail. Anybody would learn under or, or learn by going up against these guys. But Rogers, particularly, is a student of the game, and he'll have picked up a wee bit from him, a wee bit from him, some other experiences he's had in Europe with Leicester, all sorts of things. And I think he comes back to Celtic Park second time around, a very different manager. 
And you're right, Joe, he doesn't want to become predictable and people say, oh, you know that's how Brendan Rodgers plays and, and, and that's it. I think he wants to shake it up a wee bit and he definitely, we had the debate, James, and I've asked the question, but he definitely is not here just to, you know, fill Ange Postacoglu's slippers and, and pick up where he left off. Definitely not. You know, you putting his own stamp on things. Um, in terms of that, how that last, you know, that third season finished, personnel comes into it massively. Um, I saw someone post last week the squad that I think it was the squad that Ange finished with at the end of the season last season and the squad that Rodgers finished with or the first 11 that Rodgers finished with in his third season there's some real questionable Give me talent some names. I'd need to look it up I, I oh I think I, Jeremy Toljan be one of yes. them Oliver Buck yeah, yeah. Timo Weir or so, PTSD <laughs> so, so he's getting these guys signed for him and then he's carrying the can for it so I would, I would take that with a pinch of salt itself do you know in two things I think Brendan Rodgers is very different this time round I think Celtic Football Club are different as well so hopefully both those things will factor well uh, in our favour um, as I mentioned so we're now three friendlies in one win one loss and a draw and we've got these five new players in uh, we've mentioned them but Odin Thiago home Marco Tilio, Quan, Yang and Navrocki but just how ready are Celtic for the start of the new season so it's clear that we are working on different targets and Brendan Rodgers himself is quoted at the weekend as saying we hope we can add some more before the window shuts, but probably after the Ross County game, there's still a long way to go in the window. Just looking ahead at the next few fixtures, Joe, so we've got Ross County coming on Saturday, 5th of August, then it's Aberdeen at Petaudry on the 13th. We've just found out they've been drawn against Kilmarnock in the Cup, so that'll be 19th and 20th of August, that's a via play League Cup, eh, we're away to Kilmarnock. 26th of August, home to St Johnson, 3rd of September, Rangers away. Now, I think the current squad are more than capable of dealing with Ross County at home, but Aberdeen at Pataudry, you know, just seven days later, is a trickier proposition altogether, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I think we're probably playing Aberdeen away at the right time. I think they will have a, a they might have a qualifier around by that time. Yeah. Um, I think that's, that's part of the reason why it's a Sunday. Um, so, you know, it, we could have played Aberdeen at Pataudry at worse times um, after playing maybe a European game ourselves, but generally speaking, I like the sight. I like the sound of the guys that have come in uh, as a football manager player myself. By the way, Odin Thiago home is if, if he's football manager, anything to go by that guy is going to go places. So is it anything to go by? <laughs> well, Haaland was. I remember signing Haaland at Mulder. It was. Oh, did you discover uh, Erling Haaland? Did you? Uh, my brother says he discovered Erling Haaland at Mulder. So um, yeah, I mean, I've not seen a lot of him pre-season. He's only sort of glimpses. I've seen glimpses of him, but I, I like the. I mean, the signings that we've made, they're very, you know, it seems very methodical and the reason they're signing these guys, like, they've clearly got a track record elsewhere and they're very well thought of in their homeland. So, I think for this run-in, it's, I'm, I feel like I'm taking it for granted now that we don't have a European qualifier, a trip to Kazakhstan or Azerbaijan somewhere in between all these games. So, I'm quite optimistic for the next few games because I think it will play with a bit less pressure and, you know, it'll be good to see a good mix of guys and we've got a big squad to work with, so I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. James, I'm not much of a gamer these days. I think the last I played was FIFA ninety five with Sinky on the Mega Drive back <laughs> in the day. So going back a while there. So I couldn't tell you, uh, you know, in terms of those stats and how Tiago Home and others shape up there. But I think I agree with Joe in terms of they look promising and some will be first teamers, some won't, and that's fine. But it's a fairly relaxed start to the campaign. But you've got two biggies in there. You've got Aberdeen at Pataudry and then 3rd of, of September you've got Rangers away. So yes, it's great not to have the pressure of those European qualifiers early bells. But there's two really tough games in there and we know how Scottish football or the Scottish Premiership plays out most of the time that 
you can't really afford to be dropping too many, if any, points against other opposition, particularly in your first four or five games. There's often an excuse for it. You know, Ange dropped points early doors with all the excuses you know you could ever want. Um, and he got it back on track and he turned around and, you know, with, with a great couple of years. Um, I don't think Rodgers and Celtic, you know, talking about Law and stuff, have that excuse. This time we've got a you know, squad that's you know, finished strong and it's to be augmented and it's being augmented. But they need to be ready. Um, there's a bit of misfortune in terms of the, the defensive injuries. That's you know that could happen at any point in the season. Very um, unfortunate it's happened in close season to so many. So there's a wee bit of wiggle room there. But yeah, there's there's no space for messing about. We cannot be sitting uh, on the fourth of September without maximum points. Twelve from twelve. Twelve from twelve. I mean, Joe. You're right, it's a huge advantage, the fact that Aberdeen and then Rangers, they're playing qualifiers uh, before they face us, and that's that's tough for them, but I suppose that's Celtic's reward for winning the league. The other factor is, and we can't dwell on it too much here, but we just don't know how good or not Rangers are going to be. They've signed a whole bundle of players, none of which I know, but that doesn't say a lot, because I didn't know a lot of Angie's signings, but to ingrate them, is that the right word? Ingratiate? Ingratiate. Ingrain. <laughs> to bring them into your squad and hit the ground running that's a real challenge for them over the other side of the city but who knows they could be more of a challenge than they were last year they could be you just don't know I mean I'm never I'm never in the camp of oh we're going to win the league easy this year I know some people on the other side tend to think that and they get a wee bit excited in July um, but I'm not I'll just wait and see because all it takes is one of our players to get injured one of their players to get injured and then you're looking at a completely different team so mm. a lot can change in a month's time um, and I think, I mean, I think we play Rangers after the transfer window closes. Right? Yeah, just, it closes on the first. Of the first September. So, by that point, you never know. We could have signed one one player changes things completely. Whether that's one player that leaves, one player that comes in. So, anything can happen. Yeah, there is still a lot to happen over the next four or five weeks. I think, generally speaking, James, we're in agreement that Celtic are or should be ready for Ross County on Saturday. But bigger picture, are we ready for the Champions League? which will kick off for us around about the 19th of September. No, I don't know near it, you know. Um, not with that, that defence. You know, I think, like I said, I'd like to see something done up front, but as an absolute necessity, you need to fix the defence um, in terms of left-back and goalie. Um, and also getting them playing together before these games come along. Um, so it's not a wild amount of work to be done, but it's very, very important work to be done. So, no, we're, we're not ready. But I also don't think Mark Law is, you know... Up, up his caravan St Andrews he be working hard you know so <laughs> I'd like yeah. to think so um, so the draw of the Champions League that's on Thursday 31st of August and I suppose a lot of it will depend on who comes out the hat it could be a very tough draw I've seen people speculate you know the way the season's working out you could have three big hitters in there alongside you and all the more reason Joe for Mark Lowell Brendan Rodgers and others to continue with their work over these next few weeks yeah and I think I think transfer windows like this Celtic fans especially I think we do need a bit of patience because I mean think of all the signings that we've had great signings that we've signed within sometimes the last two or three days of transfer window Jota, I remember Jota, Jackie Marcus and Carter Vickers I mean Carter Vickers was five to midnight so <laughs> I think in a lot of cases with these bigger clubs that it tends to be we just need to wait for them to do their business first and then not saying who's left, seeing who's left, but we need to sort of bide our time with a lot of these targets. I, I think there's a hierarchy and there's a pecking order when it comes to transfers. The Saudi Arabia factor has thrown a, a huge span on the works because there'll be agents 
bombing about all over the place trying to get their, their clients a deal out there, you know, if, yeah. they're, if they're trying to do their job properly. And all of a sudden, players that wouldn't even have been looking for a move are, are looking at what's happening. And there's players picking up life-changing money. Jota is the, the closest example, but... Jack Henry. Know, Jack Henry. Oh, Jordan he's a million pound player now. <laughs> Basically, um, there's just, there's also, everybody's fair game at this mm-hmm. moment in time. You would never have thought that anybody would have considered that move in recent times. And all of a sudden, a whole bundle of players are going... And not just the top players, you see, Jack Henry's an okay kind of pro, but it just show, he, he'll go and make incredible money out there. And all of a sudden, there might be players that we had our eye on, we might have earmarked them and said, yep, we'll go for that left back, we'll go for that goalie. And all of a sudden, they're maybe saying to their agent, I quite like the Celtic idea, but look at the money that guy's making in Saudi. For example, you know, this is you know, hypothetical, but it just changes the whole landscape, doesn't it? It does. And that's, you know, you've always got, always got to sell your strengths. And, you know, if you look at, likes of Atati and stuff, he's in it for the football. So we can sell a genuine football experience. You know, players always talk about it for the rest of their careers and beyond it. You know, playing for Celtic, at Celtic Park, European games, all that stuff. 60,000 fans, exposure in the Champions League, get yourself in your national team. You know, that's that's the, the football talent operations job to accentuate that. You won't get the ones who want the money. They'll go for the money. Look at you, Jota. And that's the way it'll be. I would have said Jota's in it for the football. I've got to be honest with you. I was very surprised. Very surprised. If you throw Jota's contract in front of Rio Hatati, he is also not for the football anymore. I just think that's the way of the world. I just don't think anybody can knock that back. I think Hatati's been been offered. You know, his agent was approaching. He's like, no, I want to play in Europe. Mm, I'd give it a couple of weeks. (laughs) I'd give it a couple of weeks. Football Um, can change. But I do think, you know, people have argued about the fact that (laughs) people have put the argument up that under Ange we've done our business very quickly Peter Lowell returns as chairman and look at it now a nonsense argument right very lazy argument as well because Lowell Sheer isn't involved in day to day operations but I just think also Celtic are now shopping in a different market Celtic have different budgets and Celtic should have bigger ambitions than, than they had two years ago when Ange came back in Ange came back in to do a rebuild and done it exceptionally well now Brendan Rodgers remit is to go and excel further continue your domestic dominance but excel further in Europe and the players that allow you to do that there's more competition around them. There's you know different price points you need to meet, different negotiations, agents playing hardball, maybe dragging things out to the end of the window. So it's just not quite as easy, I think, to sign those types of players. Yeah, I think... I mean, ultimately it comes down to the, the pond you want to fish in. Um, do I want to go Celtic to go and sign a 28-year-old that's done really well in England? Uh, realistically, uh, you throw that argument out there, or the sort of dilemma that they might have. Do I want to go to Celtic or do I want to go to Saudi Arabia? In a lot of cases, given the number of players that have went to Saudi Arabia, you're going to assume it's going to be that's the route they'll go down now. But, I mean, the players that we've signed are all very similar in terms of sort of career so far. That They've sort of been, it seems like they've been the best in the league. I mean, home seems to be the best, I mean, the best young player in Norway, the way they're making it out. That guy, Tilio, seems to be like, I mean, I think he's been targeted for a while, but one of the best in Australia. The two Koreans seem to be very similar, so it seems to be that as a market we're going into, and I don't, I don't really see the need to change it dramatically. Given that, I mean, like, again, we're signing the guy from Liga Warsaw. We've already seen Juranovic from Liga Warsaw. They're ov- they're obviously of a good level and value for money. They're pl- clearly good enough as well. So, yeah, I think we're definitely shopping the right markets. I think, and I don't want us to sort of move away from that entirely just for the sake uh, and I'll touch on it earlier on but I don't want us to s- spend six or seven million a player 
just for the sake of you know whatever last marquee signing might be if it's someone happy. if it's someone that's just keep the fans happy I don't I don't see the need yeah. Shane Duffy was one of them in my opinion I, yeah there's a debate in that in itself but it's not for tonight <laughs> I think it's going to be a really interesting four or five weeks ahead and definitely still work to be done if we're going to show signs of progression in Europe this season Okay, it's now time for our Path to Paradise feature where each week I'll tell you the clubs a player has played for before he's moved to Celtic and I'll also name any teams he then went to after he left and all you need to do is name the player in question. The lads have been fairly decent at this over the last few weeks. Joe, how's your own form been with it? Do you prefer this to the, the mystery cell? I do, I do prefer it. I think it's... I've seen a lot, a lot of quizzes like this on Twitter and that and it shows you like the Wikipedia of the full journey and I'm usually, I'm usually quite on the ball so if there's a Celtic one I think... Oof, Hopefully, well, I'm talking such a good game here. Joe Hagsabanovich. <laughs> we'll find out just how on the ball you are uh, in a couple of moments. So, are you ready for this week's path to paradise, James? Mm-hmm. Okay, so here we go. It's Hamilton Ackies, Millwall, Wraith Rovers, Hibs, St Johnson, Hearts, Celtic, Bristol City, and Aberdeen. So, have a wee think, and I'll come back to you on it in just a moment. And while the lads are trying to work that out, I want to remind listeners that now's the time to get involved at the Celtic Exchange Plus as we get geared up for the new season. At the Celtic Exchange Plus, we provide additional episodes for listeners throughout the week with pre- and post-match podcasts for every Celtic game, as well as bonus episodes with ex-players, coaches and journalists. In addition, listeners get early access to the weekly show on a Monday night and can also enjoy all of our episodes completely ad-free. Every new subscriber also qualifies for a free seven-day trial and you can set that up in less than two minutes right now at theCelticExchange.com. Sign up today to ensure you don't miss any of our coverage across the new season, starting with this weekend's Flag Day against Ross County. All information and sign up at theCelticExchange.com. What have you got, lads? Too easy for you, Joe? Eh, well, that was that was more of my either. That was a. I don't think there's many Millwall Celtic players. Yeah, it's not. You know, it's it was how and I. Yeah. yeah. So I've realised I've been making these too easy, and I'm going to crank it up in the next few weeks. So we'll see how that plays out. But well done to you both for getting that one today. Okay, let's turn attention to a player who's now entering his 15th season as a member of Celtic's first team. I'm talking, of course, about James Forrest, who this week will be rewarded with a testimonial game against Atletico Bilbao at Celtic Park on Tuesday night. And this will also be Brendan Rodgers' first game back at Celtic Park. That might be interesting in itself. Uh, James is also donating a significant amount of the funds raised to the Kilbride Hospice and to Celtic FC Foundation. So well done to him for doing so. Joe, it's rare to see a player remain at a club for so long in the modern game, or one club for so long, uh, obviously, Callum McGregor's another, but James Forrest has given exceptional service to Celtic throughout his whole professional career. How impressive has that been? I think it's been very impressive. I mean, I mean, I think I've seen some the other day. I mean, because he's been a youth player, he's been actually at Celtic since two thousand one, since he was nine. Aye, so just a wee bit, a wee bit after I was born. I bet it was about one and a half. I might have been when he signed. So it's it's very I'm, good. I know, I know. Yeah. It's incredible. Um, I mean. It's been 13 years really he's been professional around about. This is his 15th season as a first team player. So it's unbelievable that he's been here for as long. I think he does sort of, he does split opinions a wee bit James Forrest at times and you know we'd mentioned before it, I mean he really had these sort of breakthrough proper breakthrough when Patrick Roberts came in and he sort of kicked on and people forget I think James Forrest nearly left that but I think James Forrest was out of contract when Patrick Roberts just came in so he's done exceptionally well he's performed really well for us at times when we've really needed somebody to step up and he has um, and I think 
I really hope he gets a good turnout on Tuesday because he deserves it. Yeah, he does. The, the closest I think he got to leaving, and I think he spoke about it recently, was just as Brendan Rodgers came in the door. I think he was in the final 12 months of his contract and Spurs were uh, quoted as having an interest at that time. And whatever happened under Brendan Rodgers, he'd obviously played in the first team for maybe four or five years at that point. But Rodgers definitely got the best out of him, James. Patrick Roberts, you know, putting pressure on him certainly helped. But Brendan Rodgers really helped James Forrest kick on to another level, didn't he? Yeah, and no, he wasn't the only one. Um, there's a lot of players Rodgers did that with. And he's, that's the frustrating thing with James. He's, is It took Rodgers to, to find it in him and switch it on, you know. And you see, you, you see it, just not often enough with Jamesy. Um, that's the thing that's always frustrating to be, be with him is that you can see him do amazing stuff and then you don't see it for weeks kind of thing I think he's got more talent than he believes himself you know I think he's a real, a real talent and we've you know enjoyed it over the years he's got some really really important goals for Celtic you know European qualifiers semi-finals things like that a great servant to the club and you know brilliant he's getting a good testimonial He's probably at a similar age and stage in his career as Scott Brown found himself. And you've spoken about the fact that Scott Brown was, he was doing his coaching badges when Brendan Rodgers came in and he said, put that in the back yeah. shelf for a, a time. You've still got lots to offer here. And I wonder because I read some of James Forrest's quotes in, in recent weeks. You've seen a, a number of articles come out ahead of this testimonial game. And he's saying things like, I don't play as much as I used to, but that's okay and stuff. And I, I don't quite like that tone. It's almost like he's accepting just being a bit part player. And I don't think we should have anyone. This isn't a criticism of James Forrest, but it's just a point that nobody should be happy to sit on the bench. You know, you understand there's your place in the pecking order and there's there's real competition at a club like Celtic. But you should always be doing everything you can to say, yeah, I'm on the bench just now, but I'm going to make sure the manager sees me making an impact when I come off the bench and I'm going to really drive to get a, a position. And I just wonder, you know, looking at that comparison between Scott Brown and you know, the, the early stages of Brendan Rodgers' time at Celtic, can he get James Forrest back to being close to a first-team player or is that now beyond him? What do you think, James? No. No? All over? No. Um, Why not? There's too much in front of him, too much youth and talent and pace. The game's faster. The way we play football is faster. Um, he's, you know, James's biggest trick was, you know, being fast and he's not as fast as he was. I think that's just a bit of it's that's kind of thing's probably hardest on wingers than, than any other position. You know, you can get away with it in midfield, you can put your foot in the ball, you can, you know, find your, your teammates around you. The wingers are kind of feel isolated. It's on you to do your job. Um and it's very, very difficult. So I don't see him slipping back to becoming a right back or anything like that. So no, I don't think so. Um and that's just football. There's there's no malice in it. I'd love it. I think I think culturally you shouldn't be learning you're right, you shouldn't be learning the kind of attitude of, you know, I'm just here to, you know, um pick up a jersey and maybe sometimes I play sometimes I don't there should always be if you're getting paid your wage you're driving to get that jersey as hard as you can whether that happens or not is up to you What do you think Joe? So James Forrest didn't play a lot under Ange Postacoglu you know, he'll have picked up some more medals to add to his collection but didn't play a lot of football um, and as James says for a, a winger that's not a great position to be in but do you think he could rediscover some of the talent that he definitely has? <laughs> I mean it depends on how fit he stays because I mean I think the season that we will that will remain forgotten. Um, I think he was missing pretty much all that season, and we didn't have anyone else. Really, I think Ryan Christie was out wide right for most of that season, and really we needed them at that point. And fitness didn't really help him. But I don't know. I don't want to date him off yet because I remember having the same feeling as you mentioned about Scott Brown when Rodgers came in. 
I remember watching Brown under Dyla and it was too slow for the attacking football that we wanted to play. It just wasn't the answer. I don't, I think, especially given that we're in Europe, we do need a big squad. We've signed Jang as an alternative. I don't, I mean, I don't know how well he's going to start straight away. It would be quite harsh to expect him to hit the ground running immediately. It looks like he's going to. <laughs> Possibly, yeah, but again. There as well. But again, I mean, Tilly was out for the first start, the start of the season, yeah. so. Mikey Johnson's injured. I know he's a he's a favourite in here. Um, not, not, not with everyone. <laughs> not with everyone, but I don't know. I, I think it's it's early to say. I think it depends on how much game time he gets given at the start of the season. I think he's someone that I mean, Brendan Rodgers holds him in very high regard. You can tell when the way he's taught. I mean, he's sent, I think he's the captain in a lot of games when Callum McGregor's not playing. So I think it's a case of waiting and seeing. I, I don't think pace is his only asset as well. I think. He has got a lot more to offer. A lot of the goals that he scored, especially in more recent times, hasn't really because he's went and beat a guy out wide. I think a lot of it's to do with his movement and not necessarily pace, but I think he's 31 now. He's played, He's been in the game for a while. I think he has quite a clever player now. And I think he's developed that over time. So I think it's a case of waiting and seeing what happens. I, I think he's had to have on the bench for, for a lot of games, you know, but I just wouldn't see him starting. I think it'd be, it'd be a good impact. Yeah, I, again, and I suppose it may be tells its own tale I highlighted that Burnaby and Turnbull were unused subs on Saturday James was also unused on Saturday so I don't know if he's keeping him fresh for his testimonial but maybe that's been kind but he, you know saw fit not to use him again if, um, I'll it, give you the, if he doesn't pick him Tuesday night then writing's on the wall I, I think, oh, he's, I, I I think that's definitely I think he'll get five ten minutes <laughs> on Tuesday um, ok I'll give you the fact file on James Forrest so over 450 appearances for Celtic over 100 goals over 100 assists phenomenal numbers uh, he made his debut on the 1st of May 2010, coming off the bench to score in a 4 0 win v Muddle. That was under Neil Lennon at the time. His trophy haul is 11 league titles, 6 Scottish Cups, 5 League Cups, and that's 22 major honours. I mentioned earlier on, but he's only behind Bobby Lennox on 25, Billy McNeil on 23, and they've both won the big one as well, of course. Uh, and Scott Brown, who's also on 22, so he's neck and neck with Scott Brown. And he's now scored for Celtic in 14 consecutive seasons. James. Doesn't matter how you want to look at that. That is an incredible record for any footballer. Yeah, was it one in one in every two games goal goal contribution? So you can't be really meddled with. Yeah, yeah. If you look at those numbers. Yeah, I, that that is it. You know, his his stats stand up. I think it could have been better. Stats just in terms of what, what I, th I think he's got in terms of what his potential was way back when. But yeah, his numbers are there. Um, there's, there's a good point Joe made about when he's uh, when he sometimes stepped in as captain. Apparently it was Forrest and McGregor that pulled the team through the cup final, Scottish Cup final there, when the new Ange was going to be on the way. So he's more than just a player, he's a, he's a real kind of cohesive character as well for the squad. He's a senior player, he's yeah. a senior part of the dressing room and I know he's quite he's quite a quiet guy, isn't he? You know, he's you don't hear much from him and he's he's not a social media kind of player, he's, he's not that kind of front and centre boy, but he does seem to carry respect in the dressing room and you spoke, Joe, about Brendan Rodgers holds him in high regard. Ange Postacoglu always spoke glowingly about him as well. And for Ange, he needed players to perform certain roles in training as well and show the same attitude and desire. You know, they talk about the intensity and training was more than game day under Ange. And he frequently referenced James Forrest as being such a, a key part of that. And do you know what, Joe? You can't be at Celtic for 15 years unless you're a good professional first and foremost. And yeah, I know he splits opinion, but he's also managed to convince several managers that he's got something to offer. So you look through... Neil Lennon, Ronnie Dyla, Rogers, Postacoglu, and back to Rogers uh, again by the looks of it. Good managers seem to see a lot in James Forrest. They do. And I think, I mean, 
I think it was very important that Forrest was there when it was Ange doing, I mean, the major, major rebuild that was needed at the time. I think Ange mentioned a lot that Cal, having Callum McGregor and James Forrest there purely for continuity. Mm. They need they need guys there that have been before when we've been at our best to set the standards for anything new that's coming in. I mean, it's a classic. They know what it's all about. They know what it's to play for the play for the club. But I think, as you say, it's, it's a real credit to him that he has survived all these managers. As I say survived. <laughs> he's he's he survived Ronnie Dyla, Lennon, Rogers the first time, Lennon twice actually. COVID, so COVID season. COVID season. So he's clearly held in very high regard by all these managers, and I think that credit to him that he's getting this testimonial because I, I think he deserves it I think it could have been earlier as well because of Covid I was, I maybe maybe that mm -hmm. yeah. I think there was talk of being earlier but because of Covid it was in the way so nah fair play to him and I think he's been brilliant for Celtic as I say scored big goals I mean Shakhtar Karagandigo I remember that was yeah, a, yeah, a big massive yeah. Loved yeah. a massive goal so. um, I mean you look at the Celtic now James in the modern day and for some time now to be honest with you it's very much an international dressing room and you can't downplay the importance of the homegrown players letting the new guys know what it's all about. Playing for Celtic's unique. This isn't us thinking we're special and we're so different from every other club in the world. But Celtic, there's a lot of unique aspects around playing for Celtic in terms of just, you know, the history and the heritage and all that goes with it. And I think Callum McGregor was interviewed after the game uh, in Wolves or in Dublin against Wolves. And he spoke about the debuts of Yang and Quan, how they'd done well, but how it was his job to make sure that they knew what it was all about to play for Celtic. And I think James Forrest is he's, you know, very much his right hand man when it comes to stuff like that. Absolutely. You know, and, and every good captain like McGregor needs that. He's first follower and then and James Forrest. Um David Moyes talked about something really interesting a you know, month or so back. The uniqueness of playing for Celtic and getting that message across of, you know, a club that you're expected to win every single week. There's four or five clubs in the world that, that exists at and Celtic's one of them. And James and Callum are the ones carrying that message to the new guys. They might be just like I mean, I think Haxbanovich maybe suffers from this a wee bit. It's like, well, you can't win every week. It's like, you have to, mm -hmm. you know? So um, if you've got people like Forrest who are able to say, well, you know, I've been here all this time. Here's how it is. It's just, it makes your job a lot easier for Rodgers and for McGregor. Yeah, I just think they're so so valuable to have these guys around. You know, Callum McGregor and James Forrest, they've been at the club for 20 odd years, as you mentioned. You know, it's, it's a crazy amount of time to be in a club. And if anyone knows what it means to play for Celtic, it's those two guys. And I suppose that leads us to the next question, you know, how important could James Forrest be as a support to these new players, particularly the wingers like you've mentioned, so Tilio, Yang, and maybe even guys like Abada who would continue to learn under him. How important can he be for these young guys who are trying to be, dare I say, the next James Forrest or the next guy who's going to you know, be at Celtic for a number of years? Well, I think before, just when you're saying about Cal McGregor as well, that these are types of guys now that are not, they're not just... You know, good leaders. I mean, they're great leaders because they lead by example. Like it's not okay, they lead by example in how they play and their attitude. It clearly seems to be. It's not a case of a old-fashioned captain the bosses people about. Um, the guys that lead by example. And just in your point about a bad and Tilio, I mean, absolutely. He seems like the type of person that would be a sort of role model. And you know, there is a. I don't think he'll be quite at the same stage as Scott Brown with Dyla get doing his coaching badges, but he'll be certainly valuable to keep. And I think you need that experience there, especially when you've got a lot of these young guys that are coming through who really were wingers. You'd expect them to want to have better players and really guys that are going to make a huge impact on this team. It's a really important position to have and having James Forrest there, I mean, you can't go 
you kind of go wrong having about. Yeah, mm-hmm. I tell you what, see if you're a young winger at Celtic right now, you've got James Forrest and you've got Harry, Harry Kiel winger as well. Oh, it's a real yeah. place to learn your trade. So, oh, Maida goes on about. I think Maida's mentioned Harry Kiel quite a lot. I think mm-hmm. there was a there was a picture going about Maida and Harry Kiel when they'd won the treble. I think owed a lot to them, worked really, really well with them, and I think Damien Duff was re- thought of in quite similar ways when he was at oh, Celtic. Was so. Well liked, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. so that's the message if Harry Kiel goes. Who's our next former winger? He looks pretty comfy, though. <laughs> he does. Yeah. I, th- I think he'll enjoy continuing his own development under Rodgers. Absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. I think for any young winger at Celtic, it's a great place to be at this moment in time, but particularly you know, for this uh, section here that we're covering, to have a guy like James Forrest who's lived and breathed Celtic for so long and can tell me exactly what it's about. James, in terms of what's next for James Forrest, so Joe, you thought he was 31. He was, but it was his birthday on the 7th of July, so he's now 32. Um, Contracted until May of 2025, so he's still got a couple of years here. What is next for James? Is it maybe moving into a coaching role, more of a mentorship? Does he stay around the club or does he move on in May 2025 and we wish him all the best? I don't know because, you know, as you referenced earlier on, he's quite a I don't, I don't think he's a quiet character in company mm-hmm. you know I think he's all the fun and the fun fair and amongst the squad and stuff but he's quite quiet in terms of media so you don't really know you know you know that McGregor's going to be um, some kind of coach just from, from listening to him James I don't get that feeling from, from what I do hear from him mm-hmm. um, you know does he want to stay in the game most people really would, would want to I don't see him taking a McGeady route and going you know, up the stairs and stuff like that so I don't know in the next two years at Celtic uh that was a f- bit of a funky contract, to be honest with you. Um, you know, this year or next year would have been probably the, the right time. But next year's probably the right time. Um, so, but I don't know, would they end up just kind of you know, shaking hands on that? But, you know, it's up to James to surprise, I suppose. Yeah. But as Joe said, and I think you both uh, share the same sentiment, very best wishes to James against Bilbao. Hope he Absolutely. gets a huge turnout on Tuesday night. And whatever the future brings to him, you know, at Celtic and beyond, he's been a great servant of the club and he, he deserves everything that's coming to him. Joe, great to have you back on. What's your summary of everything at the moment as we now head towards Flag Day against Ross County? I'm fairly positive. I mean, I think we need to be patient with transfers. I mean, as I've mentioned, this marquee signing, is it going to happen, is it not? We'll, we'll see in the next few weeks. But so far, we've had a good pre-season. We've came against fairly good tests. We've not played against rubbish every week. And, you know, we've not horsed three or four teams in the pre-season. We've come up against good tests. Good to get out to Japan. So, yeah, I'm fairly positive. I'm... Um, optimistic that Rodgers is going to bring back his own wow factor that he brought before so I'm looking forward to it Are you going to James's game on Tuesday? I've got training with you unfortunately on Tuesday <laughs> <laughs> A good test uh, James final comments for the week go to you anything to add as we close out the show? Just exciting it's another uh, new season coming up uh, you know I'm, I've been kind of bleating about it a wee bit that you know, there's work to be done and all that kind of stuff but you know, flag day and you see, I'm actually going to miss the game, which is frustrating, but there you go. Um, and then it's, you know, it's, it's Rogers part two, the Rogers adventure uh, is back. Yeah. Do you think we'll see anything interesting in terms of his first game back on Tuesday night at Celtic Park? Probably not because it's James's night. See if it was like a friendly against Bilbao, then you might have a wee bit of a, you know, like some folk. And then Saturday's flag day, surely nobody'd put the span on the box. I don't flag think day. so. And I think there's a wee bit of good fortune in that. Um, I, I really would be very surprised and disappointed if anyone's got any beef to bring to Celtic Park on Rodgers. If you didn't like it, stay away. It is what it is. You know, he's, he's there now. I, just, I don't think there's going to be anything like that. You need to be some maniac to be turning up to boo your manager, you know? Yeah, I think for the most part, people have now, some slower, slower than us, but 
accepted the fact that he's he's back and he's back for good. Never caught your comments at the time, Joe. Were you pleased to see his reappointment? I, I was. I mean, as I said, I said to your producer earlier on, I think that it was very much, it was going to happen. It was three weeks in the working. So I, I'm glad he came back. Sour Grapes has totally gone for me. He's he's now the best manager that I've ever seen at Celtic, <laughs> all that usual stuff. So I'm, I'm happy he's back. I'm looking forward to it. And if it's anything, anything like his last time at Celtic, then I'm really looking forward to it. So that's yeah. weird. Big night for Brendan Rodgers on Tuesday, but even bigger night for James Forrest and good luck to him for that. So that wraps things up on this latest episode of the Celtic Exchange Weekly. Thanks to James and Joe for joining me today. And as always, thanks to you for tuning in. Don't forget to visit theceltichexchange.com to check out everything on offer at the Celtic Exchange Plus as we prepare to kick off the brand new season. But in the meantime, thanks for listening and we'll see you again this time next week. Next week.